you're listening to How to Bake a Book. Some episodes may contain content not suitable for some listeners. Please see descriptions for specific content warnings. Listener discretion is advised. is between you and the, the mic it should be fine and honestly the sock is doing a lot of the work that's fair it's a good sock hi listeners <laughs> we're talking about socks and filters um i don't know how many of you will sympathize with that uh audio um journey <laughs> but we are figuring it out as we're going <laughs> welcome to how to bake a book I'm, I'm Cole. I'm Mary. Uh, welcome back. We're here uh, talking about the second half of Mexican Gothic, our spooky Halloween slash post-Halloween episode. Zuh. I'm episodes. really enjoying this book. <laughs> I am too. Like, I feel kind of bad that last episode we didn't get into and like any of the spooky, spooky stuff mm-hmm. because of the buildup, but we had to get that gothic atmosphere going, right? Oh yeah, I loved actually learning what gothic means. Yeah. So, so like, it's funny going into the second half because that's going to be more on the forefront of my mind. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad. So since this is still kind of our Halloween like episodes. Uh, last week we talked about candy. You asked me what my favorite Halloween candy that is, was. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm curious, did you have any particular Halloween traditions growing up? I mean, not really. Mm. Um, hmm. What was your favorite part of Halloween then? Or was it not a favorite when you were a, a, a youth, a young, a, youth. a youngster? I, you know, I don't. I never really, like, I mean, obviously trick-or-treating was fun when I would go, Mm -hmm. but um, I think just chilling at home and just, like, watching some, like, Disney, like, those, oh gosh, remember those, like, live-action Disney movies? Um, Like Halloween Town? Yeah. (laughs) There you go. But yeah, that's what I would like. I would just love to, I just would get my own bag of candy Mm -hmm. and just sit there and watch (laughs) Halloween movies. Oh, that's, that's, I feel like... I feel like a lot of people, especially our international listeners, may not have, like, Halloween traditions, but mine were so strong that it, to this day, is one of my most favorite holidays. My family would watch Halloween movies, like, every day leading up to it, and where I grew up, we had a slightly different attitude about trick-or-treating than is kind of the American standard, in that we were really kind of isolated. I don't want to say isolated, but we were kind of isolated. We were a small community and it was rather normal for people to continue trick-or-treating up into their teens. So like- Oh, I love that. It was fun. Like the the juniors and seniors went out and did trick-or-treating instead of just being bullies. Um, But I mean, I I don't know, like being able to hang on to whatever yeah. You know, childhood, you you can. Oh, yeah. It was delightful. Yeah. Absolutely delightful. Oh, I love that. And the place that I grew up was also rural enough that we had horses. I didn't personally have any horses, but many people out there did. 
And my favorite thing is when people integrated their horses into their costumes. And I think to this day, the best costume I ever saw was somebody dressed as a ring wraith from the Lord of the Rings on a horse. And he was like running up and down the street with it. And his family was, uh, his wife was dressed as Gandalf. And then they had some young children. They were all dressed as hobbits. And so like he would kind of coax them onto the other houses, like sort of quote unquote chasing them. And the little, little hobbits would run away from dad and the horse. It was so cute. So, I mean, the book we're talking about is a haunted house book. We had some really great haunted houses in my hometown when I was growing up. Oh yeah. I mean, I lived in Reno, so like the casinos would always put them on. Oh my God. Tell me about that. So like the haunted houses were, I mean, Reno is just mini Vegas. So (laughs) I mean, they would shut like parking lots down. Jeez. It would just be huge, long, giant haunted houses. Yeah. I refused. No, see. Oh God! I, listen, there's there's those people that really love that adrenaline feeling. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah. I associate it with like you're supposed to with panic <laughs> and bad things. <laughs> yes, same. I I mean, I spent enough time in the. And sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'm no, sorry. no. no. I was just I was gonna build off of that. I spent enough time in the theater. And amongst, like, actors and stuff Mm -hmm. that I know a lot of people who have worked in haunted houses or run them. And I am not (laughs) the target audience. I am not. I have not one, but two anxiety disorders. I should not be, like, volunteering to put myself inside of a haunted house. Oh, my gosh. So do you want to hear a funny story? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So my husband and I, when we first started dating, he did not know. You cannot. I am easily startled. I have been standing right next to you in the past and went, oh, Mary. And And you you jumped. Yes. (laughs) So I just, I, I'm very jumpy. Like Mm -hmm. jump scares are just Oh, target audience is me for those <laughs> shit. So he like he didn't really know that though because we had just started dating and I remembered I was at his apartment and I was gonna go to bed first mm-hmm. and he was still like playing games or something. And I remember I'm like in that twilight sort of like I'm asleep and I'm still aware of like my surroundings. And was this at that play? Ooh. At that place in a relationship where you're still not quite used to sleeping yes, over. Yes. So you're a little yes, bit on edge already. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Because, like, you know, it's not it's not your bed. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, anyway. All of the smells are different. All of yes. the sounds are different. The oh walls aren't God. in the right places. So, and he, like, my husband is, he's one of the nice, genuinely nicest people. Yes. He absolutely It's so much is. so that, like, at first when we were dating, I was like, what's your angle here, buddy? But anyway. <laughs> so, um. So we, I was in that place where like, I, I'm asleep, but I'm still just like a little bit aware of my mm-hmm. surroundings. Well, he comes in to give me a good night kiss and I, my eyes open and his face is just like, like half an inch from mine. I straight decked him. <laughs> I mean, just got him right in the face. <laughs> And like, oh man, we've been together, gosh, we've been together like 12 years now, and I still, to this day, feel bad, feel awful. (laughs) 
<laughs> he doesn't bring it up well, or anything. Knowing but... him, he would, like the first thing out of his mouth was probably an apology. <laughs> yes, exactly. He was just like, "Oh fuck, I'm so sorry," and I was like, "I'm the one that hit you." Like, oh my god! And so then it's just from from like that moment on, he just will make sure to like make some sort of noise or like you know tell me he's coming in for a kiss or like. But if I'm sleeping, he just leaves me the fuck alone. Now. That's fair. I mean, he's been warned. Yes. By oh. So, like, that's probably another reason that I don't go to those haunted houses, because some people have, like, it's the, you have a fight or flight instinct, and mine yeah. is to fight. Mine is absolutely to freeze. Like, I will just seize right up and not do anything. <laughs> we had a cat, Bean, little Bean would do that. He, instead of, like, getting puffy and running away, he would just get as flat to the ground as possible. <laughs> oh like, God. oh, man. And he was a huge cat. Speaking of cats, how do the cats not scare you? Because they are silent. And you, you are know, jumpy. But, but we are on the same level. Oh, you know? okay, okay. I feel like I, I have, like, cat sets. I okay. can sense when they're near. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Get that. <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. I'm so glad to know that I'm not the only person who's too much of a, like, I'm, I'm not going to call you a wimp, but I'm going to call oh, no. myself a wimp yeah, yeah. to go into a haunted house. Actually, <laughs> that's actually another funny story. One time I was calling for Marble and I was telling Robbie that he, she's never going to come to me because we were going to bed and I was complaining. And um, <laughs> I close my eyes. I open them, and she's again right in my face. Did you punch her in the face no, too? I screamed <laughs> bloody murder right in Marble's face, and she just like took off and like didn't sleep with me for a while after that. But oh man, it was one of those moments where you just wish you had like a camera oh, yeah. in your brain that you could like print. Yes, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be in that montage of oh, scenes God. you're supposed to see like before you die. The look on on. My my poor cat's face. <laughs> Betrayal. Shock. Horror. Horror. Yeah. She was aghast, I'm sure. <laughs> That's <just> so funny. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very glad to know. I We had a lot of um, fantastic haunted houses in my hometown, but I think I went into one and that was enough. Like, I had... I had that was it. That, that was all I needed. I was good. I had that one experience. It was like the one... Mom, stop listening. It was like the one time I tried a cigarette... And realized that was not for me. <laughs> it's so funny. Mom, stop listening. It's yes. just, a, I'm thinking it's going to be something terrible. It's just a cigarette. Literally, I wouldn't admit to the other things out loud. <laughs> so, <laughs> also, she would be furious. I don't think she's discovered this podcast yet. No, all right. I haven't told her about it explicitly. Mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> for when you eventually get around to it. Um, Yes. The, to be fair, the last podcast I was on was about D&D, and she did not care. And she still listened to it, and she's very supportive. She's the most adorable mother. So this week, we've got, like, all of the big stuff in the book to cover. But before we get into that, can I tell you about what I made? Absolutely. Oh my god, I'm so excited about it. I uh, made chilaquiles. And what is that? Um, it is a traditional Mexican breakfast food. Um, so it was actually my first time entering the chilaquiles realm, and I am I am converted. Oh, you're a They're fan. so good. So I actually, mine was specifically from a reference in the book. Ignore all of the tabs, Mary. <laughs> Oh, no, I love a good tab. I love a good tab. I was showing Cole my notebook where I keep all of my, like, episode notes and, like, food ideas, mm -hmm. and I tabbed my notebook, so... 
I was so <laughs> proud of myself. It, it looks beautiful. Oh, as as an avid note taker, it's the kind of thing I want to take a picture of. <laughs> it really is. So in my version of the book, which is the trade paperback edition, of course, yours doesn't have to be water stained like mine is, <laughs> but it works well either which way. Uh, it's on page 124, and it's the second time we meet Marta Duval. Um, she is... Incredible. She's a local healer. Healer and storyteller. Mm -hmm. And I love the way that her character is so important, mm -hmm. but also like, I, we'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The, the exposition here says, the town remained quiet, still half asleep. Marta Duval, however, was awake, setting out tortillas to dry in the sun next to her doorway, no doubt to be used for preparing chilaquiles. I had never heard of them before because I grew up in the Northwest. I'm not of Latinx heritage and it's never been something that I encountered but I mean it's I I love food and I love exploring new things about the world that we all share mm -hmm. through food mm -hmm. and so I thought that this was a good moment to really like key in find out what it was and I of course made it vegan it's traditionally got um, a little bit of dairy sometimes people make it with some meat but Almost always it's served with eggs. And I, of course, didn't do eggs on it. I used uh, tofu, which I kind of scrambled up with a spice mixture. So it's got cumin and a little bit of chili powder. And I feel like cumin is good on everything. I think that it's one of the... the cumin and paprika mm -hmm. are those two spices that people just don't appreciate enough. Yeah, or they just sleep on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but cumin is like... Everything. Oh my god. I could dedicate a half an hour to talking about my preferences for paprika <laughs> so let's not get into that but chilaquiles are like a kind of a pan mexican breakfast food and i i mean mexico is huge so there are regional variations so like in sinaloa sometimes it's made with cream oh. um, which i didn't do obviously but it seems like a really interesting variation and then guadalajara what, what was that sorry so is is it kind of like just like a thicker tortilla almost like a pita i'll explain it oh okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah i'll explain how i made it but i want to kind of give a little Sorry. background. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm so into it. No, this is great. Um, and then like in Guadalajara, they'll leave it simmering for a lot longer than you do in the versions that I tried. Um, so that it almost has like kind of a porridge, like polenta Ooh. style kind of okay. Um, okay. like taste to it. Mm -hmm. So effectively what you do is you make your own tortilla chips using tortillas. So I got some uh, white corn tortillas and I cut them down into like chip shape. And I thought that maybe that was an unnecessary step, but I think it really changed. Like it really makes a difference making your own. And it was fun to fry something. Yeah, It's always fun to fry something. So I fried my own tortilla chips. And meanwhile, I made the chilaquiles sauce. And so traditionally that's a red or green sauce. So a verde or a rojo sauce. And I did a rojo because I don't like cilantro, please. Do not come at me. Does it about taste it. like soap to you? It Do you does. Have, you have that. It tastes okay. like sadness. <laughs> it's... You are so dramatic, and it's... I love it. I can detect a cilantro. It tastes like sadness. It does. Oh, I just I respect that other people have a genetic predisposition to being wrong about cilantro. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a big cilantro fan, obviously. So mm -hmm. I, I did a red sauce instead. So that's kind of your traditional salsa ingredients. So red tomatoes. Some people use green tomatoes on some of the variations I saw. Oh, I used a white onion and then uh, peppers. 
And the version of the recipe that I liked the best was actually like the easiest one I tried out too. Oh, perfect. You use just a canned tomato sauce and you get chipotles in adobo and you cut up the chipotles and you cut up the onion and you simmer them together in the tomato sauce until everything's cooked through. And then you add adobo sauce to your, to your liking. And I like it spicy. So I added like almost three tablespoons of adobo (laughs) sauce but then you take the fresh made tortilla chips that you have made and then you dunk it into the sauce and you smother it so that they're soggy oh my god and also delicious i'm starving now they're they're soggy but also still a little bit crisp they have this like the softness and they're thicker than a standard tortilla chip so they have like a little bit more substance to them more heft more heft yeah and Mm -hmm. then i made a like a quick version of a crema yeah. to go on it with a vegan sour cream i use kite hill typically um and then added a little bit of soy milk to thin it out so it'll spread oh, a little easier yeah. yeah so it's more like a, a traditional mexican crema which is mm-hmm. sour cream and buttermilk typically Usually, yeah i hear some people use half and half but i obviously am not doing that so and then I, I put a little avocado on there because who doesn't love a little avocado? And then I grilled up some onions and red peppers on the side and sprinkled oh, them on Oh, look top. how fancy you are. God, that sounds amazing. It's, I, like I said, I'm a convert now. I'm, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm going to eat this probably again this week. <laughs> it's great. so incredible. But the thing that I learned about this recipe most specifically, like it's got a long history in Mexico and in Mexican cuisines mm-hmm. because it was originally kind of based off of an Aztec food approach. Oh wow. And so it's very versatile. Every it seems like every family has their own like specific recipe that they use and different toppings that well, they yeah, like. Well, yeah, it sounds very versatile because yeah. you use tofu and um, I'm definitely going to make this and I w- will make it with eggs. Oh my god. That very. sounds great. I'm going to send you the exact recipe. And obviously this will be up on our stuff as well. I'm going to send <laughs> mm-hmm. you the exact recipe I used. I had one of those moments that they always have on like those food shows where they take the first bite and there's like a pause and then they overact the moment <laughs> after that. And yeah. like, it's so cinematic, but I actually had one of those moments. <laughs> And it was, oh my god, I went back for thirds. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yeah, It was so good. I'm so, yeah. I'm done talking about it. It was incredible. I highly recommend trying it if you've never had chilaquiles before. I loved it. And this, you said, was your very first time ever trying it. Yeah, I'd never tried it before. Wow. And then I made it on my little lonesome. I tried a couple of different versions, but I think part of my um, struggle with a couple of the versions is that I don't have a standing blender. Oh. I just have an immersion blender. Yeah. So I couldn't get the sauce as smooth as I think it needs to be to really soak into those tortilla chips. Mm. And it was just sublime. Really <laughs> well, if you ever want to borrow my mixer, you're more than welcome. Oh my welcome. god. Mary, I'm going to make this for you. <laughs> I would love it. Oh gosh. Where we left off is like... She's, oh, she's being scolded. She's being scolded mm-hmm. by this bitch. Like we talked about, it's like she's trying to fix her. Yeah, and, and I don't... And even uh, Noemi is just like, I, I don't need to be fixed. Yeah, I don't give a shit about your yeah. rules, Florence. Yeah, like pretty much. And she like... She specifically carries her cigarettes around almost like a talisman after that yeah like it's the only part of her that feels real in the house Mm -hmm. which is an interesting quote Mm -hmm. like an interesting thing to say this early on yeah 
Yeah. Virgil afterwards privately apologizes in the study to Noemi for, you know, Florence's whole thing at dinner. (laughs) They make their way into Howard's room and Howard tells Noemi about his wife, Agnes, who supposedly died of a disease and Alice, Agnes's sister, who mm-hmm. he married afterwards. Yes. And Alice is Virgil's mother. And was, Ruth's. Who was shot by Ruth. Yes. Man, this is... Mm-hmm. But Agnes is the one with the statue. Yes. And so Agnes is the one whose statue just says mother. Yeah. And there's these identical, pretty much, paintings of the two of them mm-hmm. up in Howard's room. Like, yeah. And, and this whole time, Howard still kind of makes little comments here and there about, you know, superior and, and inferior and, um, you know, her being more native Mexican than Catalina and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And he tells Virgil that he has to take her to the greenhouse. Mm -hmm. And this greenhouse is very important to them. It was going to be for Agnes specifically. And she wanted to grow an English garden in there. And when they get to the greenhouse, there's not literal snakes, but there's snakes everywhere. Yeah. It's on, they're carved into tables. It's on a grand stained glass ceiling. It's a, on a mosaic on the floor. On the a mosaic on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere. This quote unquote family symbol, which the audacity of that, mind you, <laughs> like the fact that they're like, oh no, this is only the Doyles thing. Yeah. Like, it's, no, please. <laughs> Listen, just the audacity of that family in general. I'm going to underscore that. Mm. Mm-hmm. The The dream that she has this night is really important to the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. So she has the, a nightmare of Virgil sexually assaulting her. Yeah. It's, and it's a hard scene. It is. It is really rough. Yeah. It is a rough scene. Mm-hmm. And she hears a woman telling her, open your eyes. Just open your eyes. Open your eyes. Yes. She does. And she realizes that she's sleepwalked. Like, she's Mm -hmm. almost on her way to Virgil's room and has to go back to her own room. Yeah. It's almost like from one side of the house to the other. Yeah, in the dark, too, because there's no electricity. electricity. And she doesn't... And at one point, uh, Florence, like, gives her a lot of shit about Mm -hmm. not being able... uh, Or not knowing how to use an oil lamp. Yeah. And she's like, I have electricity where I'm from. Like, yeah, what, what I'm normal. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I, I could figure out an oil lamp, but I don't think I've ever really used one in my life. So, you know, yeah, I get well, it. I get it. That scene, that was really rough. Yeah, it and, was so rough. Yeah, and it was, it, it felt re- so real to her. Yeah. yeah. But, and the other thing that's really unnerving and disarming about that scene is that in the dream, it is pleasurable to her. Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah, I It's forgot. something that she's like. I was so disturbed by it that I forgot that like in the dream, <laughs> she she is almost a willing participant. Yeah. And, and that's one of the most shocking things to her is uh-huh. that like she felt that she wanted it, but mm-hmm. at the same time she knew she didn't. Mm-hmm. And that like discord really like, I think made her snap too. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, when she wakes up, she's at Virgil's room. Yeah. And like, she's, outside of his door and he's mm-hmm. opening up the door and she is so unnerved by what she's had this dream about. And embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. It feels to her like he knows what she was dreaming. Yeah. 
Oh, God. It was so gross. The next day, Dr. Camarillo. Thank you. <laughs> arrives to look at Catalina, who really, her personality so far has been very sweet, very calm. Accommodating, almost. Accommodating. Like, she's yeah. trying to get it so that nobody's worrying about her. Yes, but now she's, like, super pissed. Yeah. She doesn't want him there. He doesn't understand why she, he's there. Mm -hmm. And then goes into one of these spells where she starts staring at the wall mm -hmm. and tells them both that Noemi must go to the cemetery because it lives there. It lives there. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Dr. Camarillo is really unnerved by that. Yeah. And he says, while he's no expert in tuberculosis or in psychiatry, he is pretty sure she doesn't have tuberculosis. And he recommends a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, there's not much else he can do at this point because he's not a specialist. Like, he is not the person who can, you know, psychoanalyze her. Mm -hmm. So, basically, he just, he recommends a psychiatrist, but there's nothing else he can do. Yeah. So, Virgil and Naomi get into an argument about this in the greenhouse and about her treatment. Mm -hmm. And, basically, t he tells Naomi that she can leave whenever she wants to. Yeah. Noemi. Noemi. It's, it'll, it'll get, get, it'll get you'll there. kick in. Again, Naomi Novak's just like, <laughs> got her hooks in yet. No M-E. Noemi. But like, now knowing the story, mm -hmm. really wish she had left. <laughs> and in a, in, yeah, a, I mean, yeah. in a fury, gotten her entire family, stormed the house, mm -hmm. and burned it to the ground. You know. So she's really upset and she leaves. And so she goes to the cemetery to smoke a cigarette. Yes. And she's just, she hears the incessant buzzing. It's, it's mm -hmm. so loud. Mm -hmm. And she sees somebody like a golden figure yeah. in the greenhouse. And it freaks her out. Very, very scared. Very scared. And like, and again, it's starting to get more foggy too. Yeah. This cemetery is very easy to run around in circles and so she's scared she sees this figure and she tries to like get out of the cemetery and she has no idea which way she needs to be going yeah. it's so foggy mm -hmm. and then she sees another figure in the fog and she's <laughs> terrified for a second yeah. that it might be Virgil yeah but it turns out to be Francis little Francis, little Francis. picking mushrooms he's out picking mushrooms yeah and this is the first indication that we get that he's like he's like a little bit of a brainiac and a little yeah. bit of a like he is... He's gentle. Oh, he's so gentle. Yeah. He's so gentle and so kind. He guides her out of the cemetery and gives her his sweater. Yes. And he's got this basket filled with... Mm -hmm. what? What is the Spanish name for the mushroom? I can't remember. But what I think is interesting while you're looking for the name is he says that the mushroom was used for dentistry back in the day mm -hmm. to like help put people out. Yeah. And then the Mayans used it for spiritual healing and like uh, visions. Yeah. I cannot find the word <laughs> for the life of me because apparently my notes are terrible, but it's more commonly to me known as a chanterelle mushroom. They're these little golden mushrooms mm -hmm. that are, I, I tried really hard to find them to make something with it, but they're just out of season right now where I am um, <laughs> or everybody else keeps buying them before I get to the places that they're sold. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's it. Mushrooms for what are, in the Pacific Northwest, especially in where we are mm -hmm. is a big thing for well, whatever reason. I mean, I mean, I know yeah. why, but yeah. in, in Oregon, <laughs> the world's one of the world's largest living organisms exists. And it really? is a mushroom underneath the 
uh, Mailer National Forest. I had no idea. One thing that I want to say that I thought was really cute was when she runs into Francis. Mm -hmm. Uh, she says, I'm so happy to see you. I could almost kiss you. And then he blushes. He turns as oh it says that he turned redder than a pomegranate. I just, <laughs> and that was the part where I was like, this guy better not fuck this oh, up right? for me. I know. <laughs> this guy better not so fuck it. She she starts flirting with him more yeah. and he doesn't know what to do with it. And so yeah. like she like chills on it a little bit yeah, and like she... even makes a mental <laughs> note to like be a little kinder to him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean he is like her caliber of flirting. She's mm-hmm. she's a, a party goer. Mm-hmm. She's a socialite. She's used to flirting all the time. And we we get the impression that Francis doesn't leave high place very often. No. Um and they go to the library because he wants to show her his collection of pressed plants and yeah. flowers and herbs. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's that's just so sweet. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. It, I, he's excited. And he his entire like reason to get her to go is that it must be less boring than just sitting in her room. And she's like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll go talk to this guy in this library. Mm-hmm. And he he keeps getting distracted by her the whole yeah. time that they're mm-hmm. there. And he shows her his mushroom, like his fungus like impressions. Coll- yeah, like collection. It, it's like not a collection. It's like a... like a. You take the mushroom head and you yeah. put it onto a, like a piece of paper. Uh-huh. And apparently it leaves like an impression of the gills mm-hmm. and helps to like identify the mushroom. Which I think is amazing. I, I have no idea. I kind of want to do that, like as a little. <laughs> I am, am I Francis on the inside right now? <laughs> He's the and in the library, it's noted that there's paintings of Ruth, Alice, Michael, and you know everybody of the family. Yeah. And they and her they, father Leland and Noemi makes a comment about how everybody looks very similar. Yes. Like eerily similar. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as they're talking, she's asking Francis to take her back into town and pick her up later because she... Florence made it clear she's not allowed to go into the ta- into town on her own. Never ever again. Never ever again. Um, but she needs to get the tincture for for her cousin. Mm-hmm. And so poor little Francis. Francis agrees to it, and he's like, "Well, just this will be our little secret. Yeah, Which we'll I, go early in the morning, morning when nobody's awake. Yeah." yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, the thing that really gets me about that journey too is that like they they go into town. And he leaves her alone. That is a thing that, like... Yeah, because it's a big thing about, like, she... They have a conversation about chaperones. Yeah. And she was like, if you want somebody to chaperone, we can go to Mexico City and I'll introduce you to one of my aunts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that he's like, okay, I'm going to put my neck on the line to mm-hmm. go do this secret thing and I'm not going to pry about what it is. What it is, yeah. He, he gives her space and that's... Like, huge. Mm-hmm. Especially in such a suffocating family. Oh, my gosh. Well, so that night, Florence later kind of chastises Noemi about talking to Francis about the city and its diversions and education. Mm-hmm. And she specifically notes that he has accepted his life here. And mm-hmm. it is better not to put ideas in his head. Yeah. Um, because... Like, her conversation with Francis had taken diversions into, mm-hmm. like, oh, traveling and going yeah. to see other places mm-hmm. and going to the seeing ocean. the world. Yeah. yeah. And so she she says, I was meant to live and die here, and so is Francis. Leave it be. Yeah. And that is just so eerie. Yeah. 
Uh, and I mean, again, we know why later on in the book, but yeah. like at this point, it just seems like it's depressing. It is very depressing. And it's frustrating because there's a whole world, yeah. you know, that Francis could... Not just this one house. house. Yeah. So she has another nightmare. And uh, in this nightmare, she sees Ruth with the rifle and they walk together. Ruth tells her that she is not sorry. And that's that's such a big thing. She's mm-hmm. not sorry not for what sorry. she's done. And as they're walking throughout the house, it's like the wallpapers are coming down and Mm -hmm. the house itself has uh, like a beating heart and veins Mm -hmm. and organs. And it's it's, like the house is alive. It's disturbing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Virgil wakes her up from this dream. And it's because she is in his room Mm -hmm. and in her nightgown, basically. Mm -hmm. She's not in like her cover up. She's not in, it's not an appropriate thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially for like a young unmarried woman at her like cousin's husband's door. Yeah. Which also they have separate bedrooms. Yeah. Interesting. But, I mean, it's, it's the 50s, I think. Isn't that like it wasn't like that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and so he refuses to let her go back to the room on, on her own. Mm-hmm. And gives Oh, he her... totally makes a pass at her too. Oh, like, yeah. Well, he gives her his robe and he says, you look very fine in my clothing. Yeah, it's fucking you're married to my cousin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're nasty. Get away from me. Mm-hmm. And of course he's this entire time he's described as like handsome and like good looking, broad, masculine. And she stresses that he is everything that Francis is not and vice versa. Yeah. And that is such an important thing that mm-hmm. the two of them, while similar, they come from the same stock. They're two different creatures entirely. Yeah. Where Virgil is gross and horrible uh francis is a sweet sweet little little guy so noemi gives catalina the medicine Mm -hmm. and uh, unfortunately she goes into a seizure Mm -hmm. and noemi calls for help everybody runs in there florence is so angry and she says i should slap that look off your face and goes mm-hmm. to like make a move <laughs> towards her. Yeah. And then Virgil comes in and uh, you know, is trying to like assess the situation, yeah. grabs her right, like, you know, they get into an argument out into the the hallway because mm-hmm. um they said that the tincture was just straight opium. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> and they won't she won't tell them where it came from. Yeah. Ugh. And he, it's like, he goes to grab her wrist and he won't let her go. Again, with that, like, incredible preternatural strength. And says, I should teach you a lesson. Yeah. I'm just like, oh God, that just makes Like, he's so such gross. a misogynist, like, on top of everything else. The, the way that he talks to and about her, he keeps calling her little girl. Yes. It's so... Demeaning. Demeaning. And it's so gross at the same time because you get this impression that he he wants to dominate her yeah in like again it's a power play Mm -hmm. it is absolutely a power play noemi the next day they won't let her see catalina they won't i mean the florence is basically set up an impossible situation where Mm -hmm. uh she's on a schedule but it never lines up to where she can see her. Yeah. And and Noemi points that out. Yeah. That she's on to Florence and what she's doing. Like mm-hmm. she points out that she's trying her best to be, you know, what her cousin needs her to be, 
but also she can't get access to her because of Florence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Francis tries to calm her and actually tells her that this has happened before. Mm-hmm. Nobody else told her that. Yep. Virgil makes a comment like, you know, you almost made me a widower. Yeah. Wow. How dramatic. Over another glass of that wine. Yes. Yes. Ugh. Just to clarify that what has happened before is that Catalina has taken a tincture and had a seizure because of mm-hmm. it. Catalina's doing this on purpose, and Virgil makes a statement that she's trying to kill herself. Yeah, and they get into an argument about, like, suicide and that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. and uh, Noemi is, is like, she's not suicidal. She's not. It just goes back to, and he's basically like, you know, I have control over her. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take her to, to get psychiatric care, maybe at some point, but we'll see. In the future, maybe. maybe. Yeah. And then tells her, you know, again, if you don't like it, you can leave. And she's yeah. not going to leave her cousin there. No, she's not. So that night, she has a, an incredibly disturbing dream about a pregnant woman in labor. Yeah. And the woman gives birth to a tumor. Mm-hmm. There's a man there. And the man says, death overcome. And he pops it. Mm-hmm. And it's like this golden dust. You look so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm thinking about the tumor. And he pops it and it's like releases all of this gold dust and everybody Whoa. that's there except for the pregnant woman showers in it and breathes it in and yeah. all, oh, bleh. but then the the pregnant woman it, there's a moment where she's almost like in her position mm-hmm. and this other younger woman comes up and starts to like smother her almost yeah she puts this veil over her mm-hmm. face and then suddenly it's like she can't breathe yes mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh. it's so gross <laughs> it was really disturbing yeah and at at that point in time the man starts saying this phrase this latin phrase that means arise my soul oh god is that what that means because i, I yeah, don't think arise my ever, soul. i don't think it was ever translated in the book maybe Noemi goes back into town to confront Marta and can't find her. So she goes to the doctor. Uh, the doctor basically explains there's no way it could have been opium. Because, because Marta d- simply does not have access to opium poppies. Poppies don't grow there. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, and that's where he goes to bat for her and says that whole thing about like, if she was a quack, I wouldn't allow her to yeah. help anybody in this town. God, I love Dr. Camarillo. He's really, he's, he's, he's really a great. really good guy. He's fantastic. Uh, so when she returned, Florence uh, scolds her again for leaving and not giving notice. And it's implied that she's spending too much time with Francis. I mean, again, it's it's she gets Francis to take her to town. Mm-hmm. Francis does it. He's like yeah. he's like a, a sweet little puppy, like kind of following her around at this point. Mm-hmm. And Florence be damned. She's going to do what she needs to do. Now, again, Florence is trying to fix her and trying to get her to like meld in with the way she wants things run well and she says to uh noemi you know like you're spending too much time with him and besides that howard would never let him have you i got like physically ill when i when i read that phrase like the audacity so, uh, so the next couple scenes are um, Virgil and Naomi. You know, they get in a fight again about her cousin. Everything. It's constant. Yeah, she's constantly However, being badgered by this. Yes, man. constantly. Yeah. yeah. But what's interesting is he opens up a little bit to her and lets her know that before Catalina, he was married to the doctor, his daughter, the yeah. doctor Arthur Cummins' daughter. Yeah. 
and they were unhappy. There was a series of miscarriages. And so she divorced him and, and left ran off and ran off. Yeah. I just, I'm like, that would have been nice to know. Yeah. Did Catalina know that? Does Catalina know that? <laughs> yeah. 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 And so they reach kind of like a, a little bit of a truth. And he says that um, he'll start looking into psychiatrists for, for Catalina with Noemi's help. See, and I specifically. And now he's the, he's the good guy again. Yeah. Well, it's because he's manipulative bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gaslighting her constantly trying to like, he's trying to make her feel like she's crazy for looking mm-hmm. at him in a way other yeah. than this virtuous kind man but that scene i specifically marked down because it's the first time he calls her by name yeah because every time up until then he's he's used some sort of almost almost always dismissive little pet little name girl or yeah yeah mm-hmm. little girl is the one that he says the most which is i hate that i hate that i hate that there's nothing wrong with little girls but a grown-ass woman <laughs> does a woman. not want to be infantilized. You know what I don't like is when somebody I've never met before mm-hmm. calls me honey or sweetie. Yeah. And we're the same fucking age. Yeah. Don't ever do that to me. <laughs> yeah. That is like, besides hanging up on me in mid-conversation or walking away from me mid-conversation, mm-hmm. that is the quickest way for Mary yeah. to go zero to batshit crazy. Like... <laughs> 0.1 seconds. <laughs> like, we've been friends for quite yeah. a while. I I don't think I've ever been batshit around no. you. No, you've, you've always been very even keeled, but yeah, I kind yeah. of want to make you lose it just once. Oh, I just want to see it. it I, is, anger is not a comfortable emotion for me. I don't spend a lot of time there. Yeah. So when I'm there, it's it's a... Uh, Again, it is not pretty. I described the sublime ones. I'm pretty sure that it would both be beautiful and terrifying. So So now Florence basically won't let Noemi be alone with Catalina. Catalina. Mary is there. And that's one of the um, uh, servants. servants. Yeah. I want to make it known that uh, at one point, Francis lets her know that um, basically he's in charge of her and like has to watch over her because the family thinks that she's being reckless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she's got a babysitter. Yeah, basically. Because so now she will never, ever be alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. But he um, also makes it clear that he's not he's comfortable. He's not happy about it. Yeah. No, he doesn't, it's, he's made it clear on a couple scenes mm-hmm. that, like, he doesn't like this. Yeah, and I think that that scene when he's explaining that to her is the first time they start speaking together in Spanish. Because yeah. in the house, everybody's speaking in English because mm-hmm. they're uh, horrible people. Yeah. And none of them speak Spanish, so they start using this almost like a code. They're mm-hmm. in fucking Mexico. Yeah. And Howard has been in Mexico. That was one of so... the rules, is that they had to speak English only, no Spanish at all. Listen. Um, <laughs> I'm just furious. I know. I, like, as we're getting into, like, the actual... The actual meat and potatoes. I, it's just... It's just... I'm so mad. <laughs> so Catalina sneaks uh, Noemi a note, and it's inside of a poem. Mm-hmm. And the poem is called... And I, re- I highlighted this because yeah. it's great. Yeah. So the poem... Did you read the poem? 
No. Oh my God, it's so good. I was I was considering reading it. It's a little bit long um, for me to want to put the whole thing in the podcast, but I'm going to put it up on the website. I think, yeah, do yeah, it. Please, please go right ahead. So um, it's called The Foolish Men. Mm-hmm. And it's a note and it's a very old, looks like a diary page from Ruth's diary. Mm-hmm. And it goes into this whole thing about, um, you know, she, clan- she plans on killing her family, but she has to write this note to herself to focus on it yeah it's almost like a totem a totem yeah Yeah. and anybody else think about inception (laughs) but the yeah that note was was such a startling revelation but also something that noemi points out is that she's surprised that catalina could even find that in this house that was a question is like where did you find it and we never learn oh, oh we do oh, learn we do? Oh. but it's Just not it, it's 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 post reveal and oh, it's not okay. explicit but you oh. come to understand how it would be possible for okay. her to find that okay all right i'm i'm intrigued yeah i got you i got you <laughs> you heard the leaves crunching in the dip, dripping water i figured out the note it's cool <laughs> we're a team <laughs> Uh, Catalina writes on there that this is proof, but Noemi still doesn't really understand what the proof is is supposed to be. Yeah. So she she proof of what? And that she has a scene where she's literally sitting there going, "What is this proof of? What yeah. does this mean?" Yeah, it's like she's going crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, and she's feeling that she yeah. is feeling like mm-hmm. this place is driving her crazy. Yeah. Because she keeps seeing things on the wall. Well, and she's having hallucinations and she's having dreams, horrifying and, dreams. Yeah. So uh, she makes her way to Francis and flat out asks him if he's ever seen ghosts in the house, if the house is haunted. Mm. She herself discusses with him two theories about why people think they see ghosts, extrasensory perception, mm. or the idea that people will will actually like turn these things into a being. Yeah, it's what's called a tulpa. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. It's the concept of a tulpa has been one of those ones that I've always loved. If tulpas were actually real, Santa Claus would exist though. Mm-hmm. So I, that's all I'm saying. Tulpas though, as a literary thing so fascinating i was sold on this being a tulpa and i was wrong but <laughs> no, yeah. i thought that too the minute the word tulpa came mm-hmm. up i just got so excited i was like that's it it's got to be a tulpa she goes more into like her theories until she goes into one and she's like it's almost like i'm as mad as a hatter Mm-hmm. And he stops her mid sentence and in Spanish says, Do not say another word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, it, it, you have this eerie feeling of like, why am I not allowed to say this out loud? Yeah. And she, mm-hmm. she starts to describe specifically the process. Because her father was in dyes and paints and stuff. Is she's in, aware of mercury vapors and stuff and paint. She's aware of how chemicals can mm-hmm. get into your head. And so she's thinking that maybe there's something in the house that's causing some sort of reaction. Mm-hmm. Like at one point early on in the book, she's describing this green glass in some of the things that she's seeing around and that I mean that's uranium glass yeah, that's yeah. literally radioactive mm-hmm. it can have an effect on Ooh, you I just watched a documentary on the radium girls oh my gosh yeah. was it great oh, oh I mean it was not great because <laughs> yeah. of, well but yes it was very well done oh my gosh yeah. I want to read that book radium girls so she he says you know don't say another word but he he says it to her in spanish mm-hmm. and it's all of a sudden the scene changes to you know like in a movie where the music changes to like super creepy Da-na-na-na. yeah and it's like 
they close in on them almost. Yeah. They're having uh-huh. a confidence now mm-hmm. where like, yeah, they had a little bit of a closeness before. And now it's almost like he's realized that she's gotten a little bit too deep. Well, and he says to her, and this is all in Spanish. He says to her, just because there are no ghosts, it does not mean you cannot be haunted. And mm-hmm. he compares her to his dead father and says, you're too clever. Mm-hmm. and um, is begging for her to go. Yeah, he tells her that she needs to pack up and leave immediately. Tells her that Howard is a monster mm-hmm. and how when he was younger, oh, this broke my heart. When he was younger, uh, Howard would beat him with his cane to teach him strength. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. how so gross. Not the first thing that Howard's done that makes him monstrous and definitely not, not the, the last. last. But yeah. it's just a little like, it's a little seasoning on top there. <laughs> just a little seasoning. But I love that whole like, just because there are no ghosts, it doesn't mean you can't be haunted. Yeah. Oh yeah, what I underline that. Line. Yeah. yeah. And see, and that's one of those, that's one of the things that Sylvia Marino Garcia does really well is I think she has really, some really good one-liners. Yeah, like, I her, agree. Her descriptions are incredible, but there are some that just kind of crystallize. Like, Cursed is cursed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so the the next chapter, she decides to take a bath and she falls asleep in the bath. Mm-hmm. She dreams Virgil walks in and he's in a like pinstripe shirt kind of mm-hmm. deal. She's unable to move. Again, he sexually assaults her. Mm-hmm. The ceiling disappears and she sees a snake come from an egg forming itself into... An Ouroboros. Yeah. Yeah. Again, and this scene is really hard. Yeah. to be yeah. in with. And again, it's something that she thinks of as both horrifying and something that her body wants at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so she has this conflicting like knowledge of herself. Yeah. And what she, her actions. Exactly. Yeah. But she hears that voice again, open your eyes. And open it's, your and eyes. It's like, and it's Ruth. It's yeah. Ruth's voice. And she recognizes the voice. Yeah. Now. And she's begging for her to open her eyes so she she finally does she's dripping wet and barefoot in Virgil's room which is on the other side of the house yeah and Virgil's just laying in bed staring at her Mm -hmm. oh god it's so so gross. gross He offers her some more wine and to walk her back. And she consistently tells him no. And that, you know, like she tells him about the dream and says that, you know, he's like, oh, was it a good dream? Mm-hmm. And she goes, no, you were awful. It's like he's offended. He, It's like a switch in personality. Yeah. And he's like, maybe you would have liked it better if it was Francis. Oh, again, it's she has that eerie moment where it's like she thinks he can see her dreams. Yeah. And, and it's very intrusive it's very intrusive Mm -hmm. and he keeps trying to give her more of this wine and she doesn't want want it it, doesn't want it (laughs) she doesn't want it at all but again it's that feeling of not wanting to be around this guy Mm -hmm. and him trying to get you drunk like yeah uh the next morning um she tries to see catalina Mm -hmm. florence insists it's not possible Mm -hmm. She actually gets angry, finally, with Florence. Finally. (laughs) Finally. Finally. Where she says, you know, you have set up a schedule where it's impossible for me to see my own cousin. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of just goes back to her room and Mm -hmm. starts reading. When she notices the wallpaper start moving and the colors change, Mm -hmm. she doesn't know what's causing these hallucinations. However, Florence and Virgil show up and insist that she was screaming. And she doesn't. She's like, I wasn't. I wasn't screaming. (laughs) 
I don't know what you're talking about. So she finally makes the decision. She's like, I need to go. I gotta get out of here. I need to go. I gotta. Her idea is that she's gonna go back to mm-hmm. Pucha. Yep. And she's or go to there in the first place. Yeah. And she's gonna get a psychiatrist. She's gonna write to her dad. And, she's gonna and her dad. Yeah. Because yeah. like she needs daddy. <laughs> she's realized that she needs outside help. Yeah. This is yeah. that this is something bigger than her. Yeah. Exactly. And her family. The fact that her first instinct is to try and bear through it makes mm-hmm. sense. But then her second instinct is to get this family that loves her to come and support her mm-hmm. and do that. It's just, it's, w- there are so many orphans <laughs> in, in <laughs> books know, that like when there's an actual functioning family system and they're there to support each other, mm-hmm. like, I just love that. <laughs> so she tells Virgil, Virgil says that he'll take her into town. However, he's like, really upset isn't the right word he's very menacing about it oh yeah because he's a menace but then this entire time up until then they keep talking about how dangerous the roadway between el triumfo and And it has started to rain really really hard and they keep saying that one of the reasons why you know the doctor doesn't come come is because of the rain it's Mm -hmm. too dangerous and so she's starting to think okay i have to get out of here now before effectively rainy season starts mm-hmm. and i'm stuck oh so uh that night she packs a suitcase and then the family insists on her joining them, them for, for dinner. dinner and saying goodbye to howard yeah Ugh. oh man hey mary hi cole hi sponsorship this week. I wanted to talk to our wonderful listeners about something really cool that we decided to do together, and that is in no way a sponsorship. Please do not think this is a sponsorship. Uh, That is partnering with bookshop.org and becoming one of their affiliates. Um, We started a bookshop.org affiliate site to make all of the books that we talk about on this podcast and all of the ones that are like our special focus and even some of our favorite books easily available in like one stop for all of you. Now, when you shop on bookshop.org, we do get 10% of that sale if you use our affiliate link. And our lovely, wonderful Mary had the brilliant (laughs) idea of using all of that to donate to an amazing cause. This quarter... Mm-hmm. Maybe longer. It depends on how we're feeling about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we may shake it up. But for the time being, we're going to donate everything that we get on our bookshop.org affiliate page to the Trevor Project, which is yay! Yay! an organization that is near and dear to our hearts and does incredibly good things for the world in general, and especially LGBTQIA+ youths yes yes uh if you have a chance please check out their website they i can't tell you enough how amazing their organization is and once we get bigger and we get more established uh, established um eventually on patreon you guys will be able to vote and decide where the donations go yes so we we it's so exciting (laughs) um i know for the time being i am so happy to be supporting the Trevor Project in whatever mm-hmm. way that we can. And this is just one small way to give back while also supporting the indie shops in your area because bookshop.org partners with independent and small booksellers all across 
I think the United States and Canada, maybe the whole world. Who doesn't love Canada? I love Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Canada. Okay, no, no. Okay. (laughs) No song break? No song break. (laughs) You can find our bookshop.org affiliate site through the description in this episode and our upcoming episodes as well. And then also on our website. You can also (laughs) reach out to us via email. We like that. We want to hear more from you. I know. I love the emails. Thanks for joining us here. Back to the episode. Bye. So at dinner, Virgil mentions that they plan on reopening the mines using Catalina's money. Yeah. And he just says, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that to you. And And she's pissed. She's unbelievably just raging. Oh, I think believably. Yeah. I would be, I would be so mad. There is something nefarious going on. She can't prove it yet. She hasn't figured out what it is. She's about to figure out what it is. But like, yeah, it's like coming up. It's it's like so so horrible. (laughs) So they have this dinner and like the whole dinner seems uh, aborted. Yeah. I think is the best way to put it. It's like they all act a little bit differently. They talk over dinner, but then suddenly uh, Virgil decides that it's time to go see Howard and they just stop everything that they're doing and then go and do it. And Francis tries to argue that it's too soon. It's too soon. And he does try and say something to Noemi, but he's stopped. Yeah. Basically. And is like, we got to go see Howard. We got to go do it. So they, they take her upstairs and she's wearing one of her best little like cocktail dresses, Mm -hmm. which I just imagine heels and heels. She is, dressed to the nines Mm -hmm. and she goes up to this room where immediately the first thing that you notice is the smell. The smell. It's this noxious. She says it's the source of her, oh gosh, I can never say this when I work in medicine. Pufurcation. Putrefaction. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like that smell of like a sebaceous. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I am well aware. Yeah. You know, you work in medicine. I do not. (laughs) I just, exist in the world yeah it's but it it's almost an undescribable smell yeah but i'm sure that it's probably triggering the memory sensors of anybody listening right now of that like back of your throat punch to it this overwhelming smell and she walks into the room and she also just sees him there lying naked on the bed and uh one of his legs is badly bloated and just covered in these like sebaceous boils yeah to me like my immediate thought was like gangrene or something like a rot of some kind Mm -hmm. and she's shocked and she tries to leave but then they they physically uh it's florence and virgil grab her and physically drag her into the room to kneel by his bed and then Howard, oh God, oh God, okay. Howard forces his tongue and down her throat mm-hmm. and makes her essentially like guzzle down this black, slimy, 
sludge that's coming out of these like lesions and in his mouth in his mouth it's honestly one of the most disgusting is, things that i've ever read hard to read it was like it was i felt <laughs> it was really sick. it was really good it was I really mean, well done yeah. like it, it absolutely did its job but i felt physically ill when i was reading it and she of course feels violated because she just got violated it's like he's like projectile vomiting into her mouth into her, her mouth and she immediately starts to feel like this headiness mm-hmm. this like heaviness well, she, in her body she and- has a vision she's in a cave there's a much younger but very sick howard doyle mm-hmm. he's drinking a burning liquid in hopes of finding a remedy for whatever he has going on right mm-hmm. now we don't know what this sickness is no he's surrounded by very poor townsfolk and a, a local priest he's also married one of the local townswomen to get this knowledge <sighs> that would there is very little that pissed me off more than the descriptions of this woman. Oh my god, it was so. I'm, it I'm was not so, even. I'm not. I wasn't even gonna. You. you I'm read so it. sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna read the specific descriptions, it but was like, really, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. It was like he said she would do, and yeah. it just immediately started talking down about her body, what she yes. looked like, who she was. It was all this like how, how she was inferior. Yes. How they would always be inferior. Yes, it was horrible. It was really gross. <laughs> it was really gross. Yeah. Uh, so then um, Doyle believes that it can grant him internal life. So he he drinks it. He basically kills everybody, lights the cave on fire, mm-hmm. and then takes the woman that he has married and impregnated to a boat. Yeah. And they leave. Yeah. So uh, she awakes from this vision mm-hmm. and immediately wants to throw up. Yeah. She's back in her own bedroom mm-hmm. in the house. Francis is there trying to be comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sitting in a chair like yeah. like she's a patient and yep. he's just waiting for her to wake up. Yeah. And, Gives her some water. He um, is explaining how... Howard discovered a mushroom that could extend life, cure diseases, and keep you wealthy. Yeah, so here is here is it's like the, the reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's not ghosts, it's a mushroom. It's a mushroom. And it ugh. So like Howard is a living a living breathing mushroom. Yeah, it's it's and, like the rest of him has been hollowed out and he is just this fungus now. Yeah. And you learn that the wine that they've been drinking <sighs> Oh my god, the wine! I didn't. Drinking. I didn't learn it in the book. Actually, <laughs> I need. I need credit to be where it's due. I right before we sat down to record this, <laughs> Mary said, and I quote: "It took me so long to realize that the wine that they're drinking is actually that that excretion from Howard." And yeah. I almost threw up. <laughs> like it was. Oh, because it, it's explained in the book that. Um, you know, so an example would be when you go mushroom foraging, Mm -hmm. a lot of times people will use wicker or like wooden baskets or baskets that have a lot of opening in the bottom, Mm -hmm. because when you walk around, they leave spores. The spores then will grow into other mushrooms. Oh, your face. I am so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I love mushrooms, but I am so fucked up (laughs) (laughs) and so what howard has done is uh, by turning himself into a living breathing mushroom is he has essentially turned the house into spores yeah the house in it living in it drinking the wine and eating the The house is infested with it 
and the people and the are people infested, are infested with, it. with it. Yeah. So that offhanded statement that Florence made about mm-hmm. Francis accepting that he's going to live and die there, it's because he's become part of effectively this ecosystem. This ecosystem. That's this mushroom. Like they they he reveals in that moment that they can't really leave, that they're yeah. all controlled by, by the head mushroom. By Howard. Which is Howard! Yeah. And <sighs> so, so he goes more into the story and he says what she experienced was something that they call the gloom. Mm-hmm. So when she described the house as having a gloom. It really does. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The gloom itself is like, it's almost like a dream space in the mind of the mushroom, the collective hive mind of the mushroom. Um, and I think in the book they call it, and it's true, It's I think it's called mycorrhiza, maybe? It's mm-hmm. how the host functions with like the relationships of the other like spores and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's like sciencey word. When there's um, a ring of mushrooms, mm-hmm. for instance, yep. the first one that's there has like a subtle control over the other ones. Yeah. Except this is like way ex- like compounded. Mm-hmm. This is him very intentionally controlling the ways that the mushrooms grow so that it can take over the people there more and he has more control. Yeah. And so he explains to her that the hallucination, the vivid dreams, all of that is because of the fungus connected to the house. Mm -hmm. Catalina's not crazy. She's also been affected. The fungus affects people in different ways. Mm -hmm. Some of them die. Mm -hmm. Some of them go mad. But some Um, of them, like the Doyle family, compatible with it yes and it, that's symbiotic relationship exactly it's it, they say the phrase it's in the blood mm-hmm. and it's in the doyle's blood and uh so like for Neo, uh noemi and catalina they are compatible yeah but noemi way more than, than catalina. catalina yeah I, I wonder how they figure that out specifically. I don't know. Is it because she can interact with the gloom? I or... think so. And it doesn't, I mean, she <sighs> hasn't killed herself. Yeah. And she hasn't just outright died. Yeah. She can fight it. Yeah. And I think that's what intrigues so, him so yeah. much. Oh, yeah. So the dreams that she's been having are both A, memories of certain yes. things, mm-hmm. and B, an expression of the mind mm-hmm. of the mushroom. So the creepy, horrible dreams that she's had about Virgil are like an actual waking dream state. Exactly. It, mm-hmm. It's almost like on all levels, but physical, it's actually happening. And so for the Doyles, their blood is special. At least that's what they, they believe. And mm-hmm. so they believe it's especially potent when they mate with themselves. Yep. So we learn in this moment that the Doyle family is just one big incest tree. The tree does not branch. No, Howard is 300 years old. Mm -hmm. He can essentially like transmute his consciousness from one body to another when when his other body is ready to go yeah so the the whole family has been inbreeding yeah we learn that agnes and alice mm-hmm. were sisters yes they were both his wives yep. they were his sisters they were his sisters yes yeah Oh. And he tried to have a child with Florence. He did, but his body was too old to, to produce, produce well. And that's why she left to go and Mary. find Richard. Uh-huh. Um, but of course, the biggest 
tragedy, Ugh. according to them, was because Ruth killed all of the female Doyles yep. except for Florence. And Florence couldn't breed with Howard. Yep. So now they needed new breeding stock. They needed some fresh blood. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's why Catalina is there, is to help produce a new heir so eventually Howard can inhabit it. So basically they want her to be part of the family yeah. now. The women in the family have had trouble bearing children. They need money. Noemi can provide both. both. Yeah. She tries to angrily leave and is like all of a sudden has no strength. Yeah. Kind of a fairy tale like collapses yeah. to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> well, and she's feeling lost and feeling scared while she's trying to run away. But she has this like grit and determination to go. Mm -hmm. And so she pushes herself way beyond just like I'm having trouble breathing i'm having trouble thinking mm -hmm. it's because she is now restricted by howard's will yeah and was it virgil that finds her and brings her back virgil finds her brings her back but she has a vision where she sees after the pregnant woman mm -hmm. um gives birth that he from that dream before from uh when he married her and took like the the mm -hmm knowledge and all of that about like the mushrooms and all that fun stuff so she gives birth and he yeah. kills the baby and cuts off pieces of it to feed to everybody mm -hmm. they then throw the woman who is given birth into a pit by the altar and by sacrificing her she will erupt uh with the fungus to serve as kind of like a hive mind for the gloom <sighs> And the way it's described of, like, these people yeah, just eating. Just, like, casual cannibalism. Yeah, casual cannibalism. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, like, no, no big deal. We're just going to eat a baby today. So she really Luckily, is... that's not the recipe either of us came up with. No, no, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> so she hears Ruth again just saying, like, open your eyes. She realizes she's having a vision. And she's back in the room with Howard and Virgil. Everybody else tells them, I am not joining your family. This is not happening. And she has another hallucination where Howard turns himself into a snake, wraps around her, and it's it's very dis disturbing. Yeah. The whole time, Ruth is just whispering in her ear, just open, open your, your eyes. eyes, just open your eyes. And the, I think one of the most disturbing parts about it is that that mantra that she's telling Noemi mm -hmm. is one that she must have told herself. Uh, yeah, a thousand, a thousand times. times. Well, horrible things were happening to her in the globe. Yeah. Like, while... Howard Doyle was probably trying to beget another child with her. Yeah. Like, literally, it's just sexual assault on sexual mm -hmm. assault. Oh, man. The next morning, Virgil wants to see her, and she tries to run out again, but something in the air makes her essentially, like, choke yeah. and uh, collapse. Oh, God. Virgil forces her to come back inside. Mm forces her to take a bath and he watches her the entire yeah. time. Yeah. And the, this is what I mean by he's gaslighting her too, yeah. is that like she confronts him about the humiliation of being like taking a bath in front of him. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's like, Oh, and you rather me leave so you can like pass out. I'm trying to keep you safe. And yeah. as he's leering at her, mm -hmm. it's With a smile. And <sighs> yeah, it's disgusting. Oh, Dr. Cummins comes in to inspect her. Mm -hmm. He admits he 
himself is a Doyle. He is a distant cousin. cousin. A distant cousin. And so then you get that knowledge that Virgil, Virgil and his daughter were going to get married. They were cousins. Well, you we learned that they were married. Oh, yes, they were And that married. she actually died in childbirth. Yes. Yes. yes I apologize. Oh, yes, how dare you? Childbirth. Mm-hmm. So much incest. I so much incest. It, it goes from like zero to incest. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's no lead into the incest. I think this is where I learned what kissing cousins was. Oh my god, I'm so because they use it in the book, and I had I was like, oh, that's a cute term. What does that mean? It is and not a I, cute term. And I googled it. <laughs> and now I'm sure I'm on some sort of list somewhere. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, this book has taught me an awful lot. I've learned about eugenics. I've learned about kissing cousins. And the two are I so well about, related. Um, oh gosh, D- uh, Darwin married go. his cousin. He's not the only one. Yeah. Well, there are many. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. There are, there are many. Like, I'm pretty sure that if you were to look up any famous figure from before the mm-hmm. year, you know, 1900, there's a good chance <laughs> that they married their cousin. Like, oh. there's a very, I mean, one of Einstein's wives was a cousin, and Poe married his cousin. Like, I like, know, like, earlier, Victorian... Mm-hmm. England, the royal line of yeah. very incestuous. Yeah, not just the royal line. So many lines. Just like all kinds of lines. All kinds of lines. They're all straight lines. There's no branching. Oh, no. <laughs> well, and I like, because I listen to, there's a podcast that I love. Shout out to uh, Noble Blood. And she does um, historical figures and mm-hmm. like their stories and history and stuff. And yeah. So she's talked about a lot of uh, incestual yeah. history. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, Noemi knows some of this history. Like she's mm-hmm. so smart. She, it shows yeah. her background in history comes out when she yeah. starts mm-hmm. like making commentary in her head about the Habsburgs. Yeah. And how that didn't <laughs> end so well with yeah. them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Uh, so Francis finds her and admits to her that he wants to help get her out. Mm -hmm. They've kind of formulate a plan that... um, And they're speaking in Spanish this whole time. Yes. He's kept the tincture, which can lessen the house's hold on you. Mm -hmm. Which was why Catalina wanted it in the first place. Yep. Mm -hmm. So they formulate a plan. Basically, the family wants Francis and Noemi to join the family by marrying Francis. And this is one of the things that really gets me is that like, they have a very explicit reason why they want her. They want her to bear more Doyle children. And her period. money. And her money. But the, the fact that they insist on sticking to this antiquated mm-hmm. ritual and that's in a way makes it even more disgusting to me is that like, yeah, not only are they going to do this, but they're going to do it in a ritualistic fashion that makes themselves feel better about it. They're going to rape her, but yeah. because she's married to him, like that's yeah fine, I guess. Oh, there's a lot in this yeah. that we didn't cover. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I mean, it's a whole book. She spends, yeah. you know, 300 pages or so explaining it we've got a couple hours so they're gonna go along with the plan that way it's easier on noemi and francis is gonna get kind of like a kit together hide it and a go bag Mm -hmm. a go bag (laughs) yep uh she takes the tincture has another vision ruth is telling her she needs to kill howard and do it the right way and she Mm -hmm. has this horrible like freak out moment and she's like tearing herself apart yeah and it was just so it was very sad yeah Oh, man. Yeah. 
the next scene, uh, Noemi speaks with Virgil, who admits that they have buried bodies in the cemetery and used the Mexican workers as mulch. Yeah. What a terrible thing. Yeah. I mean, it. we know that they're monsters mm-hmm. and this just is another expression of that. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Virgil makes her write a letter to her father saying that she's going to stay with them until the end of the year, take care of Catalina. At that point, she'll write another saying that she intends to get married. Mm-hmm. And stay. So, I mean, he's trying to cover his bases to and keep he, her there. he threatens her father. Yeah. And is like, I could invite him up here and see what the house does to him. Yeah. And that's exactly it, is that Noemi knows that, like, she doesn't want anybody to come after her here because it puts them at risk too. Yeah. Because of the spores. Yeah. Which again, we've read a lot of things with spores so far. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> how, how does that keep happening? Oh no. Oh my god. Uh, so she writes it, and Francis takes her away from the situation. She asks, begs him basically for a weapon, mm-hmm. and the best that he can give her is a blade from his straight razor. Yeah. Which is a hell of a weapon, I have to say. The whole scene where she's sitting there and Virgil's forcing her to write this letter, it's it's so suffocating. He has her sat down at this desk and he's looming over her while she's trying to write. Uh, But then the fact that she's immediately interested in trying to defend herself if he comes near her mm-hmm. and because that's what she's afraid of. Like yeah. she's afraid physically of Virgil. And so they don't keep guns in the house with the exception of one that Howard has after what happened with Ruth, mm-hmm. because who knows? And so he has the straight razor and there's this really sweet moment where he's like, I hope you like a man with a beard. Cause I won't be able to shave if yeah. you have that. And she's like, she kind of leans into flirting with him a little bit. Well, there. And she, she says that she is starting to have real feelings for him, which yeah. isn't something that she's herself have ever experienced before. Yeah. She wasn't ready for it before. And there's been little times throughout the book where she starts complimenting him more just in her mind, you know, like his eyes are very piercing mm-hmm. and he's very, she thinks about him a lot. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there are certain times where something's happening and she goes, I wonder what Francis would think about this. Mm-hmm. He's not Hugo. No. He's not some guy she's just going to dispose of. Mm-hmm. Like That scene when, when you talk about the beard, he's <laughs> it's his own way of flirting. Yeah. 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 It, it's, <laughs> it's such a small moment, but it's so humanizing for all of it. You mm-hmm. know, it's all of these horrible things are happening, but yeah, you can still have a sweet second, you know? It's weird, but it makes it so much more real. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now that everybody knows what's going on, uh, Noemi is going to go along with the plan. Everybody can move around the house. They can talk. It's frustrating. (laughs) It's so frustrating. It's It's so so frustrating. frustrating. And when Frances and she have that conversation about Mm -hmm. like what their plan to do is, she's so smart afterward. Yeah. Because she has this conversation with Virgil and he's like, Frances tells me that you've decided to be effectively be a good girl and do be what we good, want. Yeah. Be a good girl. And sh- her excuse is still to be angry, but to frame it in such a way of like, it's self-preservation. I'm, I'm yeah. not interested in dying. She's very blunt with them about like, I don't have a choice to mm-hmm. go along with this. I just don't want to die. Yeah. But I think that 
so many other people, if they knew that they had like a secret way out or what have you, would go, actually, yeah, no, this actually seems like a great idea. And they would overdo it. But by keeping her anger, she makes it seem realistic. Mm -hmm. And that's so good. And I highlighted something that I wanted to talk about because this is in this when you know he's talking about the beard and giving her the razor oh sorry sorry i skipped ahead (laughs) no no you're fine um she says to him you truly are my friend aren't you she hadn't quite believed it half expecting a ruse from him Mm -hmm. but she didn't think there was one now and he says to her with a smile on his face you should know the answer by now it's very difficult in this place to discern what's real from what's false Mm -hmm. i should know See, and that's it. She's questioning everything around her. And she doesn't know if she can trust him, but she's starting to feel like she can. Yeah. And that's so good. So now that they're planning for the wedding, Florence has Noemi try on a wedding dress, but it's stitched together from like other wedding dresses as part of like a tradition. It's like a Frankenstein's monster's dress dress and the veil that's with it is covered in mildew like yeah she's a fungus bride yeah it and is it, it's yeah. it I mean Ugh. the dress is dirty it's torn mm-hmm. I mean there's buttons missing there's mm-hmm. clearly like a slash in it and yet they still go through because Howard wants it this yeah way. they still go through all of the pomp and circumstance they still th- go through all of the motions of getting her quote-unquote fitted for it Mm -hmm. so they like take it in so it fits her properly even though it's like a frankenstein dress there's no way it's gonna be okay you know the way she describes the dress is just so interesting it's gross it is really like it's just one of those things that i like to thrift shop when it's (laughs) available but i never put the clothes on my body until i have washed them yeah for the same reason i would never want to wear this dress like it just seems like it would infect you with something perhaps a sentient mushroom who knows (laughs) (laughs) who knows (laughs) at one point francis notes that howard has to transmute soon and that he wasn't strong enough for a long, long time after a lot of the family was mm-hmm. shot. Because they're all connected like, to him. They're all connected. So it's almost like it's all one body rather than just individual ones. Mm-hmm. So he was weakened when that happened. Yeah. He tells her that before they had to wait for a man in the family to come to age, which is around 24. Virgil was still at that point too young. Mm-hmm. Francis tells her that he is going to help her and Catalina escape, but mm-hmm. he can't go with them. Yeah. And it's a very sad conversation. He basically just says that, like, I am part of this ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, I have no choice. I have to stay, yeah. you know, all and, of that stuff. And her rebuttal to that is just like, oh, we'll see. Yeah, you, you we're still going to try it. Yeah, we'll we're going to try it. And that's <laughs> one of the things that's always been, like, kind of on my mind is the fact that Francis goes to town. A lot. Yeah. And yeah, it's at Howard's will. He's allowing it. But he almost seems like he's a hybrid of some kind. Mm -hmm. And that was my thought about him is that he is not 100% Doyle. His dad is an outsider. Yeah. So he has this hybridity that Mm -hmm. the rest of them don't. That's a great thought. I never thought about the fact that he does have a hybridity that the rest of them don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that he speaks Spanish. Yeah. The fact that he gets to know the people in town. The fact that Mm -hmm. he is interested in the outside world 
world and not just holding it as something oh, to he, resent and conquer. There was a scene way, way, way back where he's showing Noemi paintings. Yeah. And they're beautiful. They're beautiful. He's such a good artist. I <laughs> That's why I call and he's him like, gentle. He's so shy mm-hmm. about it too. And she thinks they're beautiful. And yeah. it, oh. anyway, I just, yeah, he's so, he's very, he's such a precious boy. He is. I want to protect him. Um, and so does she, which is why she insists on them going, going with. to go. She has another dream of Ruth. They talk. She mm-hmm. asks Ruth if it's possible for a Doyle to ever leave. Ruth basically explains that there's a compulsion to stay. Yeah. So, you know, Virgil left to get a wife. He could have stayed gone, but he didn't. Um, the same with Florence. Of course, Virgil wouldn't want to stay gone. Yes. But yeah. the same with Florence. Yes. She could have stayed gone, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the same with him that there's, because mm-hmm. of that hybridity, there's still a little bit of that compulsion to stay. Yeah. But then also, I mean, the transmutation that's about to happen. Like mm-hmm. We know that the men of the family are of age. Like, yeah. Noemi seems terrified of it, but also knows that that's the big moment that there will be enough of a distraction for them to leave. So she's trying to get this information from Ruth in the dream that is also the gloom. Yeah. And one of the things that stuck out to me in that moment is that she's trying to get this information before any of that happens. Mm -hmm. So she's fully prepared. And Ruth eventually just kind of shuts down. Like it's been too much strain on her, on what's left of her consciousness. It's almost like a, like a, I don't know, an impression that of her that it's just like a little pattern that's repeated. It's not actually her, but she goes in this dream. They're in the cemetery and she lies down at the feet of this statue. Mm -hmm. And that's like where the end of it is. It's clear that Ruth needs to rest. So she goes and lays by the statue of Agnes. Mm -hmm. I, the imagery in this book is very haunting. Yes. Yeah. Just because there are no ghosts doesn't mean it's not haunted. <laughs> person can't be haunted. Yeah. Uh, that night they have a the wedding ceremony. But yep. And both Francis and her have to eat a piece of mushroom, which she really, really doesn't want to do, but mm-hmm. has to do it. They <laughs> take Francis to his room and Naomi to her room, and Florence um, goes supposed- to. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> like the, the whole the whole excuse of this, yeah, yeah, is for them to explain what maritals are. You what know, like, sex, like yeah. What to ex- like that was a thing that used to happen with young people at the eve of their wedding in different mm-hmm. periods of history, typically in very like high points of social standards. Like, it was expected that a young woman, specifically, did not know what sex was. Oh, yeah. And so they had to be, like, quietly told right before they were about to have sex for the first time by, like, an older relative How or something. How terrifying. How fucking terrifying. Listen, I'm one of those people that really likes to know as much <laughs> as possible about something before I do it. So, like, I looked up Chilequiles, like, 30 times before I attempted to make one dish. <laughs> Can you imagine little me realizing eventually I may have sex one day? How much research I did. It was no. a lot. I had a whole binder. Mom, oh, don't listen. Cool. It was a, no, it was research. It wasn't porn. You had a sex binder? I had a sex binder. Oh, good. I also had a period binder. I wanted to know. 
<sighs> Sorry, where were we? So Florence goes in to explain sex, sex to, to Noemi. <laughs> to Noemi. Noemi's like, I'm cool, bro. You don't have to do this. She says, what, what, what is it? She says, I can name all of the body parts. Or yes, all I of can, the parts of the body. Yes, right? I can name all I can name all the parts of the body, especially my own. <laughs> yeah. And, and Florence is like, okay, fine. And she leaves. And she leaves. But we, what we don't realize is that this is actually a ruse to get yeah. Francis by himself. Yeah. So that they can lock him away and Virgil comes in to her room. He tells her that the mushrooms that they ate was an aphrodisiac and he basically goes to sexually assault her again. Yes. They have a fight and she knocks him out. Yes. <laughs> and it's so great. There's this moment, like it there's it's such a charged moment. It is and very you're, charged. You're leaving a lot out. It, yeah. It's it's one of those scenes that if we get into gory detail, it's just going to make it less interesting, I yeah, think. Yeah. But also, it's hard to talk about mm-hmm. because effectively, it's an attempted rape. Yeah. And she defends herself very well. Very well. She mm-hmm. knocks him out and she has this moment where she's like shaking and she's mm-hmm. feeling like weak, but also like she has this adrenaline rush yeah. and she's holding on to this straight razor and yeah. she thinks I should just drive it through his eye, but yeah. her hands are feeling too weak yeah. and she leaves to go find Francis. Mm-hmm. And literally I wrote in my margins, I was like, you should still should have stabbed yeah, him. I know. You, I, I was just, just like, stabby, 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 stabby. Like she should have stabbed him, but yeah. she doesn't. <laughs> she leaves him unconscious on the floor. And yeah. anytime you leave an unconscious bad guy on the floor. They come back every time. Every time. <laughs> so she goes to find Francis. She goes to find Catalina. Oh, first. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you're right. she still has the straight razor. She still has the straight razor. She, and she grabs Catalina. Who's unresponsive. Yeah. It is in that, like, catatonic state, basically. Mm-hmm. But she pretty much hauls her out of bed. Yes, yep. And starts, she's still wearing a like a patchwork wedding dress, <laughs> yes. hauling her cousin out of mm-hmm. her, like, prison bed. And goes out into the hallway thinking she's going to go find Francis and they're going to leave. And there's Mary, the servant. And Mary's trying to stop her and, you know, take Catalina. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Noemi has no choice but to slash Mary across the face with the razor. However... She kills Mary. She does. Mary's dead. But we learned a little bit earlier on... Does she she slash across the face or is this where she... I think she slashes her across the throat. Across the Um, throat. But we learned a little earlier on and we glazed over this part because it wasn't that important Mm -hmm. that the servants of the house were also impacted by the fungus, but they were pretty much just hollowed out to it. Yeah. It's like they didn't exist anymore. They were just like an extension of the mushroom, mm-hmm. you know? They were just bodies. Pretty much. Yeah. They were just bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's when Francis shows up. Yeah. And they try and flee. Yeah. So they all three try to leave and Florence runs around a corner, stops them, and she has a gun. Yeah. And it's the only gun in the entire place. And of course she went immediately for it. Oh, 100%. That was her very first thing she did. Yeah, she knows that something's up. Mm -hmm. And she goes and gets a gun. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, Noemi also wanted a gun. So, but she only brought a straight razor to a Mm gunfight. So, yeah. yeah. Florence, using said gun, coerces them into going up to Howard's room. Because Howard is not doing great. Oh, he, the way that they describe what Howard looks like now is he has like a pustule over his mouth that the doctor has to puncture. 
and he punctures it and drains it into a cup and it's yeah. so nasty and but it's the wine it's the wine i know <laughs> mary <laughs> it's so gross oh. i just can't let you forget that that's the wine oh my god i'm never drinking wine again <laughs> I, I mean, okay so the reason why he's his his state has gotten so much worse is because now mary is dead yeah and because virgil's been hurt hurt badly mm-hmm. so it's all impacted him as well Mm -hmm. and so he's getting worse and worse and worse and then we get Florence delivering this line that it's time it's happening now and then but Virgil's not there but Virgil Noemi thinks but Virgil's not here yep and Florence says to her of course it was never going to be Virgil of course it was never going to be Virgil why would Howard give up his favorite son the person that believes in him the most in the world Mm -hmm. he's going to take over francis yep and then it becomes real because francis is weak and francis is never gonna mount anything and Mm -hmm. he's you know it was he's disposable he's disposable he's just a body (sighs) oh Naomi regrets not killing Virgil when she had the chance is my next note. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, same. She should have stabbed him. They force the three of them to start praying to essentially start like this ritual. ritual. Yeah. And she keeps hearing this buzzing Mm -hmm. and the buzzing is just getting louder and louder and louder. And she doesn't know if this is real. She doesn't know if she's having another hallucination. She notices that Catalina has gotten a hold of the doctor's scalpel. But Catalina has been kind of wandering around almost Mm -hmm. like um, in a fantasy yeah, in the past. very like floaty. Yeah, she's yeah. very floaty. She's very floating floaty. around the room yes. in in a way that she's been doing enough in the past several days that like nobody's paying attention to her. Mm-hmm. They're just dismissing her as nothing. But she gets her hands on the scalpel and starts to stab the shit out of Howard. I mean, like stabby, 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 stabby. It was, I, it was so great. I was like, yeah. It was everything I could do not to scream when I got to that part because everybody else in my home was asleep. So it was like I was sitting there reading. It was really early in the morning, and this was happening. I was like, oh my god! But I had to swallow it. I couldn't say it out loud. Oh man! So it causes Lawrence and Francis and even Doctor Cummins. They all start to spasm on the floor. And um, Florence recovers, goes to shoot Noemi, but Francis lunges, gets the gun, and shoots his mother. Yeah. He kills her. He killed her. She did. She did. Good boy, Francis. What is it? Ding dong, the witch is dead? Yeah. Ding dong, the bitch is dead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, this weekend's Howard even more. Yeah. Because Francis... Florence is dead now. Well, and he's trying to compel Francis to obey him. Mm -hmm. And Noemi grabs the gun, shoots Howard. Um, I can't remember if it's, uh, shoots him like maybe three times, I think. But then the gun is empty after that. Yeah, yeah. And then she grabs Francis and Catalina and flees. Yeah. They're running through the house. Heading um, towards the, the route that pr- Francis had planned for them to yes, escape. the go bag. The go bag, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's really interesting because the visual of this is like they're running through the house. The banister turns into 
snakes. Francis says that it's the house and just, you know, keeps them kind of focused. Yeah. Um, the walls at one point change mm -hmm. to organs again. Yeah. And like more snakes are trying to get at them. Mm -hmm. And it's visually, when you read it, it's a very emotional yeah. and charged. This, yeah. this is a very visual book. It's, it's very, very visual. laden in yeah. imagery. And it's one of those, like, I'm not often the person that's going, oh my God, I, I really want them to make a mini series out of this book. But mm -hmm. I really want them to make a miniseries out of this book. I know! It would be so good what? and weird. She keeps hearing the buzzing. Yeah. It's getting louder and louder. Yeah. They make it to the, they make it to the go bag, mm -hmm. but they don't have the keys to the front door mm -hmm. that would have been on Florence's body, yeah. and they are not going back all the way up there. Yeah, and so just to skip a little bit further, mm -hmm. they decide to go out the back door because Francis says, oh, hi, there's a cat behind me. <laughs> oh, Francis didn't say that. Hi, oh my God. He was so soft. <laughs> there's a surprise cat. Oh my God. So you guys, there's a surprise cat. I don't know if you could tell. Oh my God. He's so, he's just this little, little black kitty and he's just rubbing against my back. <laughs> Oh, so they're um they're trying to run to the burial chamber to escape the house. Yeah, because the back exit of this house goes through this tunnel mm -hmm. that takes them to the mausoleum where in the middle of the cemetery. And as they're going deeper into this house, as they're getting closer and closer to the tunnel, it's more and more rotten. Yeah. It's nasty. It's falling apart. It's just detritus. It's like throbbing with fungus. Mm -hmm. They make it down and through some more visions and that kind of stuff, she realizes that the source of buzzing <laughs> is on a dais and there's a body on the dais. Yes. And it's Agnes. Yeah. So they're in this tunnel underneath the mausoleum and there's this almost like altar set up on yeah. top of it too. And she pulls back this yellowed cloth mm -hmm. and there's this woman's body that's been mummified. Mouth wide open. Mouth wide open like a, an O, like mm -hmm. an Ouroboros. Yep. <laughs> um, and she's covered in these yellowy gold mushrooms. Mm -hmm. They're and glowing everywhere. They're glowing everywhere around them. And she realizes that the entire time she's known Agnes as a mother. She is the mother of this mushroom. She thing. is like the brain. Brain. Yeah. 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 Ugh. Ugh. So that ritual that they had, they buried her alive effectively mm -hmm. to turn her into like the living Organism. hub. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so she's standing there just absolutely agog at this, the pulsating glowing mushrooms all around them. Francis not doing great. He's because very weak. He's very weak because Howard's been shot. Mm -hmm. Obviously it was a good thing. And Howard is dying. And suddenly out of nowhere, Virgil shows up. Because of fucking course he does. <laughs> oh. uh, she does in, uh, find a knife with a jeweled handle. And she realizes that she has seen it in her dreams. And it's the knife that Howard has used in all of the rituals of like, mm -hmm. I'm so sorry, listeners, eating the baby. Eating the baby. And um, man, there's a lot of, we read a lot of things with dead babies in it. Right? <laughs> Spores, dead, dead babies, babies, asshole um, rapists. Yep. Mm -hmm. Gotta 
<laughs> Maybe we need to broaden oh. our horizons. The cat's gone. It's okay. He's over here with me. He now. was so soft. He was so soft. He's so soft. He's so soft. I love him so much. Uh, <laughs> Virgil shows up, um, basically explains to her that he's glad that Howard's weakened. He basically wants Howard to die. He wants to take over the business, mm-hmm. wants to become the new Howard. He wants to live for Howard. Exactly. Live he explains that he intentionally mm-hmm. made it so that. Easy. Yeah, he intentionally made it so that Noemi would rebel because he couldn't do anything to Mm -hmm. weaken Howard, but an outsider could. So he left the tincture in Francis's pockets and made that available for this plan to go according to him. Because as soon as Howard dies of anything, then the next, I guess, in line will take over the brain. Mm -hmm. And that's him. And it's so, I'm so mad that she didn't just scramble his brains with that freaking straight razor. Well, she had the chance. And so is she. She's so mad about it too. Oh, there's a part where when she sees Agnes for the first time. Oh, yeah, sorry. And I highlighted it because it was was really cool. So she says, Noemi stared straight into the face of death. It was the open screaming maw of a woman frozen in time. A mummy, a few teeth dangling from her mouth, her skin yellow. The clothing in which she had been buried had long dissolved into dust, and instead she was clothed in a different finery. Mushrooms hid her nakedness. They grew from her torso and her belly. They grew down her arms and her legs. They clustered around her head, creating a halo, a crown of glowing gold mushrooms. The mushrooms held her upright, anchored her to the wall, like a monstrous virgin in a cathedral filled of mushrooms. So nasty. Oh, man. But isn't that yeah. just beautifully it's written? So, it's so beautiful. Honestly, it makes me think there's an ossuary in, I think it's in Hungary. I could be wrong. Um, but it's made out of bones. Yeah. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> the, I just, it makes me think of that. And it, she screams that they buried her alive. Mm-hmm. that they buried her alive like this yeah. and i'm just like that is horrible Horrible. that's agnes that's like his sister, sister. wife no <laughs> uh, uh, it just is very sad to me it's very sad i mean literally human sacrifice mm-hmm. is horrible in any capacity the thing that really gets me is that howard is exactly what would happen if the power of immortality existed. Somebody would go in, take it for themselves and not let anybody else have it and then use Mm -hmm. it for some, whatever, whatever their predisposition is. For him, it's racial superiority and eugenics (laughs) Mm -hmm. and use it to their best interest. You can't see this because this is an audio platform. I am gesturing wildly about the injustice (laughs) of what's happening because literally it's, I mean, it's a metaphor for European expansionism. This this British guy comes over, takes the thing that is existing, the mushroom that can make him powerful in a way Mm -hmm. and then keeps it for himself and does horrible things with that power, including rape and torture and mass murder. And it's just so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Virgil uses compulsion, makes her drop the knife. Mm -hmm. And then him and Francis get into a scuffle. 
Yeah, that scene specifically is so it's, powerful. It's a very, and I'm skipping over a no, lot. It's, I, the one thing that I want to say is that Virgil made it clear that he yeah. was just interested in having sex with both of the women. Yeah. And that, you know, he'd throw Francis a bone every now and again mm-hmm. and let them share. Yeah. Uh, and if he, he was, was gonna, a good boy. And he was going to do whatever he wanted. And so Francis actually stands up for himself, despite yeah. how he's feeling horrible yeah. because his he's, connection is... He's weak. He's and, weak. Yeah. And he goes to defend his woman. Yeah. Like, he's a good guy. Well, and he goes to defend himself, too, yeah. which, you know, this whole time he's had to listen to his mother and he's had to be under Howard's control and, you know, all mm-hmm. of this stuff. And he's finally being able to use his own voice. Yeah. It's just like... And he is not weak. Yeah. And he... You know, he, he shows it. Yeah. So, so the two of them get into a scuffle. They get into a scuffle. And uh, Naomi realizes that Agnes is in an eternal nightmare. And the buzzing that she has heard this entire time is actually Agnes screaming. Yeah. That really harkens back to me to the first book that we did, Uprooted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just another woman trapped and becoming like a hive mind. Yeah. Which uh-huh. is just... Which is exactly what's happening yeah. but Noemi mm-hmm. has this incredible moment and it's one of those we- one of those things you know when you're reading something and you're really into it mm-hmm. and you're just like screaming in your head about how you think <laughs> somebody yeah. should fix it she did exactly what I would have done mm-hmm. because she's again there's no electricity here because that would harm the mushroom there's no electricity so they have an oil lamp and she takes it and she smashes it against this corpse. Yeah. Well, she says, and this is so amazing. She says, sleepwalker, oh, time God. to open your eyes. I know. And then she smashes it against her. Oh, chills. Yeah. And the whole thing just goes up in flame. In, in flame. Yeah. yeah. Catalina picks up the knife that had dropped. She stands over Virgil. Good girl. Good girl. She stands over her husband, brings the knife down into his face. When he turned to look at her, piercing an eye, an imitation of what she'd done to his father, Howard Doyle. (laughs) Hell yes. (laughs) Hell yes, Catalina. I feel like I wanted Noemi to be the one who stabs everybody. But no, I'm so glad Catalina, Catalina deserves it. Yeah, she. I'm saying, man, she she stabbed Howard, stabby, 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 stab, and then she gets to stab her husband. Like fuck that stabby, guy. Stabby, 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 stab. So the next scene, it's a few days later. The um, the three of them, Francis, Catalina, and, and Noemi, Noemi left. Go, yeah, they escape. They run into these. You know, she's still in her monstrous like wedding dress, bride <laughs> wedding. covered in blood and and, yeah she runs they run into these like goat farmers i think Mm -hmm. and they take them to uh dr camarillo yeah and um i love i love the description there is mm -hmm. that like they they were in such a panic that they didn't have time to like talk about what Mm -hmm. they're excuse would be what was happening yeah. yeah but there's like almost an implicit understanding between Naomi and Dr. Camarillo and he's and, like and Marta yeah. too because she comes and brings them more of the tincture yeah it's mm-hmm. just they know that there was something was gonna go sideways yep. at that house and it finally did and they're not asking that many questions what I love too is the tincture puts everybody to sleep mm-hmm. eventually Noemi wakes up so does Catalina but Francis has stayed asleep for days for days days yeah the police come and her father are headed out there they just tell everybody that virgil went mad like ruth 
and, and burned everything and down. burned everything down. Yeah, because what happened when she lit Agnes on fire was mm -hmm. that it spread like kindling, mm -hmm. and the whole house starts to burn down. Mm -hmm. And you just wonder, like, what is going to be left in that slag pile? You know, like, there's is there going to be anything? Mm -hmm. And I hope <laughs> not. I hope not. Well, and so eventually. Francis wakes up and um, Noemi's been like keeping guard yeah, over him. Yeah. <sighs> and the first thing he says to her is, I thought I dreamed you. And she says, I'm real. <laughs> and it reminds me of like the Hunger Games, like the what's real versus what's not real. Yeah. And it was just like, oh. oh. So he tells her that he had a dream that the house came back stronger with him in it and mm -hmm. basically says that like he should kill himself. Yeah. And is like very serious about it. Yeah. And is worried that he's never going to be able to escape it. Yeah. And I mean, like it's in his, it was in his blood is effectively his argument is that he could be reinfecting everyone around him. He could be a danger to everybody else. But of course, Noemi is not going to mm -hmm. stand for that because yeah. she knows herself. And yeah. She kind of likes this guy. <laughs> well, and it's so cute because how it ends is she kisses him once for hope. Hope that the world could be remade kinder and sweeter. So she kissed him again a second time for luck. When he looked at her again, his face was filled with such an extraordinary gladness. And the third time she kissed him, it was for true love. <laughs> And that's how it ends. I know. It's such a good ending. And like that moment, like leading up to it, they're talking, she's talking about how she's going to take him to Mexico City. And he gets like this, like kind of dreamy look in his eyes. Like he might actually be able to leave this place yeah. and go and visit things. And it's Probably, like, she's talking about taking him to Mexico City. And like, he yeah. was like, you know, that sounds like it's a really big place. And mm -hmm. oh man, it was just so sweet. It just makes me think about a plant that hasn't been given enough sunlight yeah and that's him Aww, that's it's, so cute because he's that, pale because he's so pale but he's gonna grow so big and strong now like yeah. emotionally i mean emotionally physically he can be whatever he needs to be <laughs> but like emotionally he's not under the thumb of these many layers mm -hmm. of confinement anymore yeah. I, I love that ending though so i have a i have a question for you oh yeah hit me up if there was a sequel oh my God. would you read it I don't know. I think that it has such a satisfying ending. Mm -hmm. If there were a sequel, no, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. Would you? I think I would. Yeah. Because like, you know, the house is burnt down and stuff, but do we really know if Virgil died? Yeah, that's true. Do we know if Howard died for sure? Yeah, that's fair. Do we know? I mean, the original people who were there who were using the mushroom, it, it says that Howard killed them all, mm -hmm. but did he really? Are there maybe others? Like, yeah, is there something? Yeah. I don't know. I, I like the story, but I feel like it's complete enough to make me very happy. Well, thank you guys very much yeah. for listening. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. This this book was definitely quite a book. I have to tell you, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about eugenics. I learned a lot about um, incest. I learned about uh, <laughs> historical figures that I didn't know yeah. married their cousins. And I learned what the term kissing cousins means. So I feel like I, I feel like this book educated me in a in the wrong way, like the wrong subjects. Yeah, yeah I was gonna was say, educated. do you think that you're better for it? Is the... <laughs> no, I don't think so. See, and the thing that kills me is that if you, it, I mean, just 
quickly googling go- quickly googling Silvia Marino Garcia, mm-hmm. she wrote like two books that year, and she had published <laughs> another one like the year before, and then like two the year before that or something. Mm-hmm. It was like she is prolific. Well, and I I loved the imagery so much mm-hmm. that I um I am going to read another of her oh, series. Which one? On the cover, it says that she's the author of Gods of Jade and Shadow. I, yeah. I, I, the, it's the blank and blank that always gets me. The blank know? and blank of blank. Of blank, yeah. Or the blankety blank of blank and blank. Exactly. Or, like, it always gets me. Yeah, the, there are a lot of naming conventions right now with um, books. Or, mm-hmm. And it's, it's really interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely want to read that one, too. You mm-hmm. should let me know how it is. Oh, um, I will. I don't know yeah. if we're going to do it for an episode. Actually, while we're here, we should mention what our next book is going to be. Oh, yes. Do you want to say it? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're going to be reading Charlie Jane <laughs> Anders, The City at the mid- in the Middle of the Night. Thank you. I just couldn't. It's on my bookshelf, but I just couldn't read it because the text was really small. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Charlie Jane Anders, The City in the Middle of the Night. It's not her newest one, but it's the one I've heard the most about and I've been excited to read for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's science fiction. And I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of space food we're going to eat. <laughs> I am very excited. Yes. And if you guys have any suggestions, you want to hear us cover a specific book, mm-hmm. please get us, uh, get in contact with us. Our email is howtobakeabookpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Instagram that is also howtobakeabookpod on Instagram. Or you can hit us up on our website, howtobakeabookpod.com. Yes. And uh, we have a contact form on there. Mm-hmm. We uh, would love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, this was great. If you haven't read it already and you feel like you want to now, oh, even we, though you know we, the whole plot. We, but we left out. And we oh, left out so lot. much. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it is really good. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it as a beach read. No, no, no. Well, you know what? Actually, we don't need to tell people when to read. You know what? To read it. You're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. You can uh, read Mexican Gothic at the beach. Yeah. Why the fuck not? Exactly. <laughs> if, I were, if I were to give it stars, I'd say I'd give it four. Four out, out of five. Out of five. Yeah. Actually, I think that's fair because I think that's, um, I think I rated it four out of five on Goodreads. Okay. Yeah. God, I need to start a Goodreads. You don't have a Goodreads? Technically. Oh, good listeners. Reader. I know. I was going to say bug you on social media, but I am the only one that has social media. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have to log into the Instagram account. I don't know what you're talking about. Happy reading. And happy, happy reading. Happy haunting. <laughs> yes. Yes. Bye. Special thanks again to Robbie Bates, my cute husband. Uh, special thanks to Ren Haynes, our wonderful gremlin. <laughs> And uh, special thanks to the author. Uh, of course, without books, this podcast wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. I would be very sad. I would be a husk of a human. Yes, yes. Please support authors the best way you can. There's mm-hmm. a million places to go shop for book. Mm-hmm. One place is bookshop.org. Uh, you can go on our website, howtobakeabookpod.com. If you click the bookshop.org, you can find all kinds of really awesome books there. Of mm-hmm. course, there's Audible and 
Amazon and your local indie shops. Yes, and please shop indie. Please shop indie. Please shop we indie. Love Keep indie. them open. Keep them open. Keep them open. Keep them open. <laughs> also, special thanks to Tracy Randall for making all of our incredible digital art. Yes, and she's got. Even more up her sleeve, I'm sure, for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and she has social media. Please check her out. And of course, thank you to you guys yes. for listening to us. Thank, thank you, so you for much. being here on our little book journey. Bye. Bye.